a slam, and that's your exclamation mark. A team looking to get back on top in the NBA. I think our job is to stay balanced, stay in the pocket, understand that being great offensively and defensively, having players that fit around Giannis, that fit coach's system. Welcome to Wisconsin Basketball Draft Night. Alongside former Badger Ben Brust, here's Bucks radio host Justin Garcia. It It is Wisconsin basketball draft night, a big night for the Milwaukee Bucks, for the NBA, and for Marquette, for Wisconsin, and certainly Wisconsin-Milwaukee, with three local prospects very likely to go at some point tonight in the first or second round. I'm Justin Garcia here with you until 9 o'clock to get you the latest on the comings and goings in the NBA up-to-the-date information on the draft as it happens. We will be joined by Ben Brust momentarily here as the draft begins. But what we do know, the Milwaukee Bucks, after a disappointing end to the season, falling to the Boston Celtics in the second round there in a seven-game series, they hold the 24th pick. Now, they cannot trade that pick until after the conclusion of the draft. So if you're hearing, do the Bucks package this? Do they select a player and keep it? Well, the reason they could package it, it's basically an asterisk. You can make a pick and it can be a part of a trade after it happens. But because of that Drew Holiday trade, which certainly paid big dividends a season ago, they can't move a draft pick until 2029. The 2023 draft pick next year, their first rounder, is gone. It belongs to the Houston Rockets in a practice, if you really wanted to pull your hair out, go back and try to plot where all these picks went. I did this a couple of weeks ago on a different show, and the way picks are traded back and forth, it's part of the Eric Bledsoe deal. Then it becomes a part of the Drew Holiday trade. Then it becomes a part of the P.J. Tucker deal. That's what we've seen with picks. Nonetheless, the 2023 first-rounder next year belongs to the Houston Rockets. The 2025 and 27 first-rounders belong to the New Orleans Pelicans. And in 2024 and 2026, if for some reason the Bucks would have a worse draft pick than the Pelicans would in those years... New Orleans can swap those picks. So you can't move a first-rounder until 2029, but that is in play for the Bucks. They could, as we mentioned, make this pick as part of a trade and package it. So there's certainly a lot to dive into and what the Bucks should do with this pick. But we're going to start this show with what do you expect the Bucks to do with this first-round pick? Do you expect the Bucks? To select a young player, develop some young, cheap talent, and inject that into a roster that is, quite frankly, aging and getting very expensive. But as we've seen in the past, those rosters don't really find themselves compatible with young players trying to develop and find a niche in this league. So what do you expect the Bucks to do? With this first-round draft pick, do you think it will be a player that is on this team come October, or is this going to be a part of a package that the Bucks use 
to try and build up some of that bench depth. The number to get in touch with us on the program all night long is 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620 is the number, whether you're listening on WTMJ, on ESPN Milwaukee, or ESPN Madison. That's the number to get in touch with us for the next three hours. We expect the Bucks, assuming they stay at 24, we expect the Bucks to be picking sometime around 8.30-ish. So we got a little bit of time to kill here, but there is quite a bit to dive through as moves are already starting to trickle in. But again, the first question of the night, what do you expect? Not what do you want the Bucks to do. What do you expect the Bucks to do with that draft pick? We have a poll question on Twitter as well. We will update the results throughout the show. But I did mention, this feels like we are going to see a lot of moves made today. We saw the first domino falling just the other day with the Portland Trailblazers acquiring Jeremy Grant for a first-round pick. Now, that is not the seventh overall pick in tonight's draft, but the Blazers add Jeremy Grant, meaning I don't think the Blazers are rebuilding. It looks as though we've got another trade with a player that would have been of significant value to the Bucks, and I think we've even seen the Bucks linked to this player in recent weeks, but it sounds as though, and it appears, we have seen another deal here with Eric Gordon finding a new home. So we will update you on the details of that, but expect a lot of these moves to start to trickle in here. Rudy Gobert is a name to keep an eye on. What are the Boston Celtics going to do, a team that fell short in the NBA Finals? And, of course, teams like the Bucks, the Lakers, and the latest on Kyrie Irving and potentially Kevin Durant. But that big domino, or the most recent domino I should mention here, according to Keith Pompey, the Philadelphia 76ers are in talks to acquire Eric Gordon and are offering Matisse Tybel as the biggest asset in that trade. So Philadelphia is becoming a team to keep an eye on in this offseason because if we go back to last week, we saw our guy, P.J. Tucker, deciding to opt out. Now, speaking of opt out and opt in, there's some Pat Connaughton news to get to as well. But let's start with P.J. Tucker. He announces he's opting out of his contract to become a free agent. Maybe he re-signs with Miami and just signs a multi-year deal. Maybe there's an interest and a mutual interest in P.J. Tucker coming back to Milwaukee where he won a championship. One other name we have seen pop up quite frequently with P.J. Tucker specifically is Philadelphia and the 76ers. And we point this out because the 76ers have Daryl Morey, have James Harden for now. They, from the reports, are trying to acquire Eric Gordon. And from similar reports, they are very interested in P.J. Tucker. In other words, they are trying to reunite the entire Houston Rockets roster in Philadelphia with Daryl Morey and Joel Embiid there. So expect a lot to happen with Philadelphia. Expect some minor moves to happen with the Boston Celtics, and especially given what we saw Brad Stevens do his first season on the job running the front office for the Boston Celtics. And if you're the Bucks, John Horst alluded to this last week when he met with the media. We'll play you some of the more intriguing comments that John Horst made throughout the show, but John Horst alluded to this as well. Other teams are getting better. This is a really good league. There is a lot of talent in the league, and we have to win on the margins. We need to look for players that are going to make us better. And I thought it was very interesting 
But John Horst was quick to point out, we can't be short-sighted. When you left the Boston Celtics series, I think most people would say, man, what the Bucks really need, really need, is some help on the offense. They lost that series because of the half-court offense, because of the lack of shot makers and shot creators after Chris Middleton went down with an injury. It was basically Giannis and Drew Holiday. We could really use some offensive help. This is a defensive team. Brooke Lopez is a big part of that, and Brooke Lopez is a name that we have seen more and more Bucks fans the last two years, including his name in trade talks. But this team is going to win defensively. And some of the comments that John Horst made led me to believe what this team is placing an emphasis on is still going to be defense. It's not going to be, we need a walking bucket. We need a guy that can come in and shoot. And the case has been made, have the Bucks drifted too much to just finding spot-up shooters, finding guys that can catch and shoot. Grayson Allen did it really well. Grayson Allen did not have a great series against the Boston Celtics. Now that looks a lot different if Chris Middleton is on the floor, but you still need more of that balance. And I think what we learned from John Horst a week ago now, six days ago when he met with the media on Friday, is this team is still going to win games defensively, and that's what they're going to target. So there's a handful of names that we've seen all the mock drafts link the Bucks to. I think we've really settled in on four or five names, and this is really starting to remind you of past drafts, drafts where you saw guys like D.J. Wilson. That was a name that kept coming up over and over. Rashad Vaughn, lest we forget. Another name that was linked to the Bucks and stayed there for a while. Bobby Portis was linked to the Bucks in the draft as well. Found his way there through other means eventually, but it seems as though there's about four or five names that we've all kind of settled on for the Bucks with this 24th pick. And I think there's one that's really stood out recently. There's one that's been there for a while. How much of that has to do with the series against the Boston Celtics and watching what Grant Williams did against your team, I think that plays in quite a bit. But as we mentioned at the top of the show, the other intrigue here locally is we know Johnny Davis is going to be a lottery pick. And it seems as though the consensus for Johnny Davis is number 10 to the Washington Wizards. I've seen him go as high as 8 Seen a few people have him 11 or 12, but more likely Johnny Davis is going to be a Washington Wizard with the 10th overall pick. The real intrigue lies with the Milwaukee kids. Patrick Baldwin Jr., a standout recruit, one of the best players in the nation, prep players, chose Milwaukee, chose to play for his father. Injuries ultimately derailed his season, but he is a kid. You cannot deny his talent and his shooting ability. I've seen some. Sam Vecini is one of them saying he's maybe the best pure shooter in the draft. It's everything else. And we know if you can score, if you can shoot, you're going to find a home in this league. Just think about Steve, Steve Novak, how long he was in the league because he could shoot. If you can shoot, you've got a home in the NBA. Justin Lewis is on the other end of the spectrum. We're going to talk with Shaka Smart in about an hour from now and get his thoughts on Justin Lewis, the progress that he saw from Justin throughout the season, and his best traits for the NBA level. But Justin Lewis is a guy, maybe not the offensive pedigree of Patrick Baldwin. He brings that defense, doesn't have a position, but as we've seen in the NBA, that's no longer a bad thing. You go back to the 90s, and it was 
a tweener. Tweener was the word that would get tossed around the most. Yeah, maybe he's not a two guard. It's not necessarily a three. Maybe he's on a four. Yeah, he can play a little bit on the perimeter. He can't defend the bigs. It's starting to become a good thing with the versatility and the way that we see defenses really start to switch. So there's a lot of intrigue with the local products here. Johnny Davis, Justin Lewis, and Patrick Baldwin. This is maybe the most interesting draft night we have had in this state since Jabari Parker went second overall to the Bucks in that big draft back in 2014. And, and look back at that draft, by the way. Joel Embiid, what he has become. Andrew Wiggins, the number one overall pick in that draft, the impact that he had for the Golden State Warriors in an NBA championship just a week ago. A lot of talent, as we've seen here. And there is a lot of talent that can end up at 24. We'll examine that as well. But a lot to get to here on the show. The draft starts in about 15 minutes. We are going to break down every pick, what it means for the league, for the Bucks, especially as it pertains to the Eastern Conference and any of those other moves. Again, the rumor now, Eric Gordon, the latest name you can throw out there that the Philadelphia 76ers are starting to gauge interest in. Rudy Gobert is a name that we've seen tossed around quite a bit earlier today. We saw Kyrie Irving insert himself into the story once more. So there could be a lot of moves as well. We are going to break all of it down. And, of course, we will be here live when we expect the Bucks to make the 24th overall pick in about two hours from now. So a lot to get to here on the program. It's Wisconsin basketball draft night. Ben Brust will join us as the draft starts. And as we mentioned, the latest on Justin Lewis, Patrick Baldwin Jr., and Johnny Davis as the draft and the show roll on. We are about 10 minutes away from the draft beginning. And the Orlando Magic on the clock. Uh, Who do we expect the number one pick to be? Are you asking me? I'm asking you. Jabari Smith? You think it's Jabari Smith? Well, it's not going to be Paolo Bancaro. I'm a big fan of him. I would take him, though. I like him. Uh, Jabari, Chet, and Paolo. The Orlando Magic with the first overall pick once again. It's a place where the Bucks have found success, moderate success. Andrew Bogut, obviously Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and of course, Glenn Big Dog Robinson, my first ever NBA jersey. Um, but the Bucks tonight picking at 24. Now, there has been some relative success recently at 24. you got to go back a couple of years, but one player whose name has been Mentioned a little bit recently, Anthony Simons, the 24th overall pick for the Portland Trailblazers, has uh, built himself into a nice small guard score in the NBA. So you can find some success at 24. And I did the legwork here for you, Ashton, and everybody listening, and went through to see, okay, when was the golden year? Golden era, I should say, of the 24th overall pick. I am not going to tell you when that was yet. You're going to have to keep listening to find out. But we had a nice little run of finding productive NBA players at the 24 spot. So it can be done, but the Bucs are in that interesting spot where they're trying to thread the needle, potentially. Let's find a young guy that is going to learn and grow, and we can develop him, and we can do it cheaply because, oh, by the way, we are facing a 
Potentially massive luxury tax bill, although Pat Connaughton's decision yesterday certainly helped the Bucks there. But let's see if we can find a young, cheap player we can develop. And oh, by the way, they can help us out a little bit this year. 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage. Talk and text line to join us tonight on the show, whether you're listening on WTMJ, on ESPN Milwaukee, or ESPN Madison. Or if you're following along on the stream as well, you can stream the show on our Twitter account uh, on WTMJ for the time being. So we welcome you there as well. We started the show, though, with a simple question. What do you expect the Bucks to do with this pick? Now, keep in mind, they cannot trade it prior to the pick being made. They can make a pick as part of a deal, and it just becomes official a couple of days later. So do you expect them to use this on a player that will be on the roster in October Or is this going to be a part of the trade? We'll keep the poll question up there throughout the show. But so far, we're at about a 50-50 split. 52% think it is going to be a part of a trade that the Bucs use to presumably build up some of that bench depth. Now, as for the week overall and what it's been like really since the season ended, but what really gets done here for John Horst. Once you've reevaluated the conclusion of the season, the progress of some of the players you saw, some of the moves we've seen as well, losing your top assistant coach in Darvin Ham, promoting Charles Lee. There's been a lot going on for the Bucks in a month already that it's been since their season has ended. So what do you look to as you get ready for the draft? John Horst... Shined a little light on that. There's a ton of planning and preparation that kind of goes into all of it. Uh, you can execute and communicate at different times throughout the steps of those processes. And so today we're heavily focused on the draft um, for Thursday, making those kind of plans and preparations relative to trades and different things we can do. Um, and then when we get through that and we approach you know, the opening of free agency, we'll be ready to adjust on um, those decisions when they happen. Did we catch John Horse there? Or was that, I mean, I'm just kind of saying everything we would look into. The way that he concluded that, where he specifically pointed to, we're looking at drafts, things that we can do with that pick, those types of things. Is that John Horst tip in his hand of, this is probably going to be part of a deal that we're using to bring in a veteran? I'll tell you, I did not take it that way. I viewed that more as, I don't want to follow up questions on this, so I'm going to just go all-encompassing and say, here's all the things we can do in case you weren't sure. I didn't take it that way. There's a ton of planning and preparation that kind of goes into all of it. Right. Uh, you can execute and communicate at different times throughout the steps of those processes. And so today we're heavily focused on the draft um, for Thursday, making those kind of plans and preparations relative to trades and different things we can do. Relative to trades and different things we can do? It's all relative, Justin, if you really think about it. It wasn't, uh... oh, I should probably clean that up. Um, and then when we get through that and we approach you know, the opening of free agency, we'll be ready and to adjust on um, those decisions when they happen. This is the point being, this is unique in that I legitimately don't know. I've been asked by a number of people, we've asked you the question, what do you expect the Bucks to do? A few have turned it back on me and said, well, what do you think they're going to do? I legitimately do not have a good feeling one way or another. I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're absolutely trading that pick. You can't afford to develop a young guy their window is still open. And look, I, I think we all in John Horst address this a little bit. I, it would be fair for the Bucks to say, well, if Chris Middleton doesn't coincidentally find a wet spot on the floor, 
we're at least playing for a championship two years in a row. Who knows if we get past Steph Curry and the Warriors? What can they do really well? Shoot the basketball. What what was the Bucks' kryptonite in the series against the Boston Celtics? Three-point shooting. I mean, Steph Curry alone probably made as many threes in that series, in the NBA Finals, as the Bucks as a team did. It was close. So, yeah, it's easy to say, well, the Bucks could have won. Who knows? The point is, you want to give yourself the chance. John Horst says this time and time and time again. We have said it on Bucks Talk, on Bucks in 30, everywhere I've been on these airwaves. We have talked about this one singular quote that John Horst has said repeatedly because it rings true. I think we learned it last year, and maybe you didn't realize it at the time, but it definitely sunk in with everyone this year. you got to be lucky. you got to be good. you got to be healthy. Lucky, good, healthy. Last year, the Bucks were healthy. Dante DiVincenzo was the notable injury. Giannis was obviously an injury. He came back inexplicably. You were relatively healthy. Lucky? It's pretty lucky that Kevin Durant wears a shoe that's too big. The Bucks made plays to win that game. You need some luck, and they got it there, and they were obviously good. To win a Game 7 on the road, to win without Giannis in the conference finals, and, of course, to come back from two games to none against a really good Phoenix Suns team. They're a good team. So they had all three of them last year. They had maybe half of one this year. They were good. They were injured. They weren't really lucky. Those two kind of tied into one another. Unlucky that Chris Middleton found a wet spot, and that led to an injury. So you got to have all three of those things in place, and the Bucks did not have that this year. But I really couldn't tell you what to expect. Do the Bucks trade the pick? Do they draft and develop? It's all going to hinge on who's available and who is still on the board when the Bucks make that pick at 24. So we do know they will make the pick. It's just a matter of, will this player be a Milwaukee Buck? Because the NBA is the league more than any other one. And the CBA and the rules of, well, okay, you put on the Bucks hat. You're not going to be a member of the Bucks. Put on the Timberwolves hat, even though we know and we heard Ray Allen was just traded. So we know the Bucks will pick at 24, and I don't think you can really say what they're going to do there until you start to get a feel for who's going to be on the board. Because once you get to 11-12, that's, to me, where it's going to start to get interesting. We know who the top three are going to be. I think we know the order. So does the draft technically start at four, is what you're hearing some say. We think Johnny Davis is going 10 to the Wizards. What happens at 11-12? The Hornets have two picks in the midpoint of the draft. Hornets are another team that are said to be shopping picks. And once the trades start to trickle in, that's where it gets interesting, where you just lose the roadmap of the draft, especially if we see big names. Rudy Gobert, linked to the Hornets and other teams. The Knicks are said to be looking to move up. The Blazers have that seven pick. They just acquired Jeremy Grant. Now with that pick, they're looking to win now. Do the Blazers do something to move there? So I think we're going to see some moves tonight. And how does that change the draft? Who is going to be the guy that starts to slide? Because we mentioned at the top here, there's been a handful of names that have been linked to the Bucks here. 
I know the name that everybody has fallen in love with lately, and I'm right there with you, is Dalen Terry of Arizona. I do not think Dalen Terry is going to be near 20. He, to me, is going to be the guy that starts to jump up in this draft the most. EJ Liddell, I think, especially after the series against the Celtics, when you saw what Grant Williams did to you, EJ Liddell was everyone's pick. Let's go get that guy. He reminds me of Grant Williams. That's exactly what the Bucks needed. Grant Williams, by the way, kind of reminds me of P.J. Tucker. So vis-a-vis, we're getting a younger P.J. Tucker, just like we thought we had last year in Shemi Ojale. So E.J. Liddell's on there. About four or five names that we're starting to see here for the Bucks. But to me, it all depends on who's there and what the Bucks do with the pick. 50-50 split so far as we open up the show on what you guys think the Bucks will do with the 24th overall pick. Will they keep it and develop a young player? Will they trade it and make it part of a package here? As we are now less than a minute away from the NBA draft beginning. When we return, we will see. Do we know who the number one overall pick is going to be yet? Is there any latest news? on Eric Gordon or any of the other moves that we referenced, and I referenced it as well. The golden age of the 24th overall pick, where you picked the 24 and you found a guy that could stick on your roster and give you an impact. We saw a nice little stretch. When was that? We'll dive into that, and we will be joined by Ben Brust as we start to kick off this show Full scale here. We will get to that. But again, the draft beginning momentarily. The Bucks pick at 24. We'll dive into all of that after this. It is Wisconsin basketball draft night. I'm Justin Garcia. And joined now by our very own Ben Brust, who uh, just literally ran here from Summerfest. I made really good time. You did, actually. Um, I did not think you'd be here until... <laughs> Seven o'clock. <laughs> no, I figured out the tricks and the trades of where to park and how to get out there quick. And let's be honest, there's a lot more traffic coming in than coming out right now. Everyone's going for the concerts and the, you know getting liquored up. And here we are, just nerding it up with some draft talk. Yeah, midday isn't the the peak for Summerfest. I mean, it is gold for people watching there. It, it is absolute it is. gold. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about you. <laughs> um, what do you expect to happen tonight? Do you think this is going to be a player that is on the roster in October, or is this part of a trade? I, I don't. I don't think the the player that's drafted by the Bucks is going to be on their roster. Um, I've gone hot and heavy with the. I think it's a good idea to trade Brooke Lopez, and I stand by that. I don't think the Bucks are going to do that. Um, my theory behind that, Justin, I know you just gave me a look because I know you're <laughs> into your defensive efficiency nerd statistics. I know Brooke has an impact with this Milwaukee Bucks team on the defensive end, but in two of the biggest series over the last two years for the Milwaukee Bucks, one being when they won the NBA championship and one being against the Boston Celtics, Brooke Lopez has found himself not playing to a level, in my opinion, of the fourth highest paid player on the payroll. And when you talk about guys in the NBA that are over seven feet tall and you you hear about a back injury, I'm not saying he's going to re-injure his back, but he's, I believe he's 34 years old. And the idea that a seven-footer has had a career as long as Brooke Lopez and as successful as Brooke Lopez is incredible. 
But on an expiring contract, like I think he's a valuable trade asset. And I think with his ability to block shots and protect the rim, you can get a team. It's almost like you, you cut your losses while you can. It's better to get rid of someone early in the position of Brooke Lopez than to hold on, on hold on to him too long. Uh, in my opinion, if you can get some, if you can get a little bit younger and better at the same time, and I know what he can do from a shot blocking perspective, but you also have Giannis. He'll figure it out. I know he'll be frustrated. He'll be like, "Ah, oh, this sucks. I miss Brooke. I love Brooke." But guess what? They didn't even have Brooke Lopez out there the majority of the time that they won the finals. It was Giannis, Chris, Drew, Pat, and PJ. Yeah, and you know, like I hate to say it, but. I could find a way to make a, a compelling argument that the Bucks would be okay without Brooke Lopez. If, Tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> Which I know you're ready to do. I'm already on the defensive. If you can find, and maybe it's literally the guy, but if you can find another P.J. Tucker, you can talk me into it. That's but what I'm saying. As we saw last trade year. Trade Brooke and trade your pick. Brooks, like again, if you're a contender... You look at Brooke Lopez and think, you know, he's going to help my team. Yeah, we've seen a resurgence of centers. Like, if you look back the last two years, it's become more valuable. Where it was at the point of, uh, you can't play bigs. It's, we got to play five out here and shooting is the way. But we've seen more and more big guys start to find their way. So I, I do agree that I think it's kind of, you have to find the right balance mm-hmm. where. For Brooke, I think we saw the balance. At this point, it's 20 minutes, you know, somewhere along there. Yeah. you got to pick your spots. When you say that out loud, doesn't that make you feel weird for a guy getting 13 million age 34? Well, it would make me feel a lot weirder if he was getting 33 million. I hear you. I hear you. I just, I feel as if it's an opportunity where you know you have this three year window. Like, for sure. Like, 100% into the three year window with Holiday, Middleton, and Giannis. But during that three year window, Middleton and Holiday are getting older. So at some point, one of these assets, you, you gotta move somebody. Otherwise, you're just gonna age. And I'm sorry, I don't, I don't think it's a good strategy to rely on the 24th pick to pick a guy, develop him, and he's ready in two to three years when, you know, maybe uh, Drew Holiday moves on or Brooke moves on or Pat. Like, you know, you get what I'm saying? The odds of a 20 to 30 uh, drafted player in the NBA draft, I mean, really, you mentioned Anthony Simons. Yeah. Jordan Poole, it took three Poole, years, yeah. and Robert Williams. I'm looking at all the other, other, other names. I'm like, ugh, 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 ugh. And it scares me to think that if the Bucks are picking this position, I'm not, I'm totally a, if you can, like you mentioned it, threading the needle. The yeah. Bucks are in an intriguing spot where, like, you like what you have, you know what you have. But you always need to be thinking about how can we get better and how can we get younger, especially with what you have in Giannis Antetokounmpo, a guy that you know will be able to, no matter what, if, if everyone left this team, you're a contender no matter what, just because of how big of a superstar he is. And I think the issue is the Bucks are in this position because of really the previous 10 years. When you look at how the first round, not only the first round, how the entire draft has mm-hmm. folded out for them. Now, you can't place all of that, really a majority of that, on John Horst. John Horst first assumed the job the week or a week before the D.J. Wilson first-round pick. And he was a part of the front office, so I'm sure John Horst was certainly very involved with that. 
But John Horst has made two first-round picks here. He's talked about the value of really maximizing your assets and, and the value of draft picks to John Horst. And, and again, this is where it's going to be all the more important for the Bucks as we went through what their draft situation is. They can't trade next. They don't have next year's first rounder. They don't have one in 25. Don't have one in 27. 24 and 26, if they have a worse record than the Pelicans, Pelicans get to take that pick and give them theirs. So you can't look to the draft for the next few years here and say, well, maybe we'll get help there. And that's kind of the issue that the Bucks have had for the last really decade, if you take Giannis out of the mix here. But as John Horst said, and, and here's where he has done a good job, value of draft picks goes beyond who you actually select. During my time as GM, I think we've made two first-round picks. Um, so what have I learned about it? I think you want to maximize the value of the asset. You know, that, that asset for us is in different ways, chopping it up in different ways, has become uh, P.J. Tucker, has become Grayson Allen, uh, other draft picks becoming Nico Miritich, uh, Dante, who, you know, relative to his draft, had a really big impact over his four-year, uh, three-and-a-half years um, with us as an impact player. Um, and I, th- I think that you can maximize the value that the asset relative to the need on your team in different ways. It could be trading it outright um, for something that can help you, attaching it for something that can help you, or drafting a player um, that's ready now and can grow with you. It uh, doesn't mean that we wouldn't draft a player that can't really contribute now and, and really has a big time horizon and a big upside. That's something we'll always look at. Um, but I think those other options in the past have been more attractive to us and I think we've gotten great benefit out of it and I think we'll continue to focus on those and that's really what's going on right now this time of year is you're just trying to generate as many of those options as you can to evaluate and hopefully make a good decision is John Horst out of breath (laughs) my goodness I feel like he's taking some big breaths and just continue continue to talk big breath talk 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 big breath talk 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 um of all those assets that he mentioned Justin it doesn't make me feel super confident in some of those you know you talk about Miritich and uh, Dante DiVincenzo like the value in which you got out of all those assets I mean look ultimately he scored with Drew Holiday and that's the biggest one and that's all that really matters because that's what led to the Bucks yeah. winning a an NBA championship and so the you talk about the lack of draft capital moving forward it's a, it's a weird spot because you got your championship but you don't have a lot to build off of moving forward. And if you don't use this pick, you're not going to be using another pick for a pretty long time. 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line here. What do you expect the Bucks to do? Draft and develop a player here, or is this 24th pick going to be a part of the package? He mentioned some names specifically, and you have to give John Horse credit with absolutely second-round picks especially. What he has done with those picks vis-a-vis trade and how he stockpiled the second rounders and turned that into P.J. Tucker. They don't win a championship without P.J. Tucker. Not only the way he allowed them to play differently, I think the mindset that P.J. Tucker brought to this team and the toughness that seemed to be contagious with that group. It was at the right time. It paid off. Nico Miritich, it didn't work out well, but still, four second rounders for a guy that we thought, perfect. This gives them scoring off the bench, more size. Space the floor. Space the floor. You didn't think it was attainable with the assets that they had, and it took four second rounders to get them. Granted, the results weren't you wanted, but still, he did You don't have unlimited picks, though. 
Well, John Horst seems to find it. I know, I know. I, I, you got I some you. more for Dante DiVincenzo, which, you know, you can bemoan that trade. And look, at the time the series against the Celtics ended, who would look good in that series? Probably Dante DiVincenzo, certainly more so than Serge Ibaka. And more, I hate to say it, than a guy that we talked about not being able to really be on the floor in that series. Grayson Allen? Grayson Allen. Certainly. But you still got some second round picks as well that we've I, seen him I, I hear you. turn into some assets. So, uh, look, to me, between that and I also played this for Ashton and asked, Who's Ashton? <laughs> do you think? Maybe he's tipping his hand here and telling us, uh, we're. Let me ask you, because I heard this on my way in. Do you think he's tipping it? Yes. Ashton does not? No. And, uh,. We as a as a as a threesome here, it's two v one. And I'll let you know yeah. who I side with. Can you play the audio, Ashton? Oh, cool. Play the audio, Justin. There's a ton of planning and preparation that kind of goes into all of it. Uh, you can execute and communicate at different times throughout the steps of those processes. And so today we're heavily focused on the draft um, for Thursday, making those kind of plans and preparations relative to trades and different things we can do. Um, and then when we get through that and we approach, you know, the opening of free agency, we'll be ready and to adjust on um, those decisions when they happen. Yeah. See, I mean, come on. I mean, he, he relative to trades and things we yeah. can do, and then free then agency. Free agency he, that's that, that's ultimately why. As soon as I heard John Horst speak, I was like, they're not they're not picking anybody here. They're they're trading and they're trying to create room to sign somebody when free agency opens. Who do you like best? I know I'm jumping ahead here. You're asking me? From a free agent standpoint. Uh, a lot of guys. I mean, my, my ideal choice would be P.J. Tucker. Well, yes. I hear you there. But I don't know if that's going to be attainable based, we'll, off, we'll based off rumors of what he's allegedly seeking, yeah. seeking from a monetary we'll standpoint. I like T.J. Warren. Well, right. But that's, that's a guy you could get. Presumably, with the minimum, you wouldn't even have to use the taxpayer mid-level that you you would get them on a cheap prove-it deal. And I'm I'm right with you on that one. Eight five five six one six one six twenty number to get in touch with us. Let's head out to Rome and talk with Mike. You're up on the draft show. Justin, how you doing? Good. Good. Hey, I I just want to change things up a little bit. I just wanted to get your opinion on Justin Lewis. Where do you think he's going to go, or if he's going to go, or what do you think is going to happen with him? Uh, I'll answer that, but you answer this. Do you expect the Bucks to draft and develop a player here, or is this first-round pick going to be a part of a trade? I think it's going to be part of a trade. All right. I think we're starting to get into the consensus here. Mike, as for... Three smart people in the room. As for Justin Lewis... uh, it's interesting. So I was talking with Homer earlier today. I don't think I'm betraying any trust here, but Homer said he doesn't think Justin Lewis is getting drafted overall. Yeah, I disagree. Yeah. I, 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 I'm high on Justin Lewis. Like, I Are think, you higher on Justin Lewis than Patrick Baldwin Jr.? That's a good, that's a good question. I was debating that one uh, on, the, on the drive-in as you were breaking down the local prospects. I am. I, I think Justin Lewis has a lot of untapped potential. Um, he has athleticism. He's shown the ability to shoot in spurts, right? Like he's a long wing that could probably fill out. Yeah. And that, that's what I watched in the NBA playoffs this entire postseason. You can't have enough of those guys. And I think he can develop into one of those guys. Patrick Baldwin, 
he can develop into a specialist because he is a liability when it comes to anything athletically, defensively, but he's tall and he can shoot over can the shoot. defense and he can again, if you're if you're going to be in the NBA and you don't have all like the the t- you don't have the defense, you don't have the rebounding, you got to be the best at something. And he has the ability to be one of the best catch and shoot shooters with size. So like a Bertans, you know, like right. something like that. Uh, I, don't, I can't believe I threw out a Bertans I, reference. I don't, I don't know that. Uh, other than the contract, you would want to be catching a Davies Bertans comp. But nonetheless, um, the Justin Lewis thing is interesting. And, and we're going to talk with Shaka Smart in about 15 minutes from now. But I do want to get a little bit more into Justin Lewis because what used to be a weakness, it might all of a sudden be a strength. We talked about it a little bit, but I'll get your thoughts on it as well. 855-616-1620, the number to get in touch with us, whether you're listening on WTMJ, ESPN Milwaukee, ESPN Madison, or you're watching on the stream, we will get into Justin Lewis after this. We got into Justin Lewis just a couple of minutes ago, and... Nobody better to give the breakdown of Justin Lewis than Shaka Smart, who's going to join us 10 minutes from now. Uh, But what we were kind of talking about, you know, back even 10 years ago, but you you especially heard it in the early 2000s, the tweener of, he's, he's good, but he doesn't really have a position. I think that's where you would classify Justin Lewis, but that used to be a bad thing. Well, you can't play him in the front court, but... He can score on guys on the perimeter. Now it's kind of becoming a strength with we're seeing switching basically embraced by every team across the league. And look, we've mentioned P.J. Tucker a lot already on the show and Grant Williams just because he was the guy that seemingly buried the Bucks season. But who's going to like I look forward to the next version of the P.J. Tucker Grant Williams because Justin, it, could Justin Lewis be that guy, though? I think he could if he filled out because he not, is not much of a different frame than Grant Williams was coming out of college. Right. I mean, P.J. Tucker, He, I would think you, you wouldn't say Justin Lewis has the lateral quickness that P.J. Tucker did, but the point is that type of player. Correct. And, and, and it's funny because um, that could be really anybody that embraces just taking on a different type of role than they've ever been for their team. Like Grant Williams at Tennessee – I, I watched Tennessee a ton. I, I love watching the last two years of their teams. He was a step out, athletic, play above the rim. Did you see him get above the net in the playoffs? Maybe once. Yeah, I agree. And it was against the Bucks. Yeah, and, and and it was it's simply like you have an opportunity as a tweener to find your way onto an NBA roster because if you're a tweener, you're likely six 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 seven and right. you don't know if you're a two a three and you're definitely not a four right um but if you can be that six 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 seven guy who's a two or a three that can guard a four and switch on to ones you have made yourself that much more valuable so like of the local products it's johnny davis and justin lewis obviously johnny gonna be a lottery pick as uh, per a lot of mock drafts but I think the way Johnny sticks in the NBA is 
his athleticism, his strength, his ability to guard multiple positions, and and really hone in on the defensive side of the ball. Because of all the of, of the lottery picks, he's probably shot the worst percentage from three. I was looking at like the longest three point attempts per uh, players in the draft, and he was in the top ten, but he shot twenty seven percent from deeper threes. And so, not that he can't develop it, because you saw his jump from freshman year to sophomore year, but finding a niche, right? You you, you get a chance to probably, the, the best situation for a guy like Johnny Davis would be a role player, and then try and take that next step. And if you can't take that next step from role player to consistent starter, then you got to find your way to stick. And I think he can do so athletically, physically, and defensively. Well, and speaking of taking the next step, we saw that from Justin Lewis last year. How he took that step, we'll find out. Shaka Smart joins us at the top of the hour after this.